After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle instead of Podbean. So no more Podbean. We're on Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Also, we know that some people had difficulties getting the last episode, so make sure you catch the re-release of that episode, which we called Did They Fail Jimmy Butler, which is as ridiculous as it sounds, but we cover it. In that episode, also check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. The Extra Yard with Alex Dono and Troy Stratford and the Dolphins premiered on Monday, on Tuesday. It's going to be on every Monday. Also catch Pulse of Fins Nation, Final Yard, Yard Prep, all the stuff that we do on the Dolphins coming up on their opener against New England this Sunday. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com. We're going to be talking about that a lot today. We do not have a paywall. That's for all of your articles on South Florida teams. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. This is the week, everybody. Prize picks. Go use the code 5 FIVE. Get your initial deposit match up to $100. Was checking out the board today. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. You like Derrick Henry over 99 and a half yards in the opener. I'm not so sure. I would take a look at that Tyree Hill number, though. That one is very, very tempting. I think he's going to go over that fairly easily. Go to Prize Picks, use the code 5 F I V E, get your initial deposit matched up to $100. You can download it from the Google Play Store or the App Store or again, prizepicks.com. But the key thing, the code for our official fantasy sponsor, F I V E. And now, today's episode. Down to this game. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Check the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. We got everybody here tonight. Here's the floor plan. You can follow. I'll go with him first today because we'll be talking about his article. Brady Hawk at Brady Hawk 305, Alex Toledo at Tropical Blanket, and Greg Sylvander at Greg Sylvander. We're going to get away from trade talk today when it comes to Tyler Hero. We're actually going to talk a little bit of basketball because he is still a member of the Miami Heat. He's coming off a sixth man of the year season, a breakout season in a lot of different ways. The way that the playoffs went has kind of colored everything else in addition to the talk about the extension, which we're still waiting on, the possibility of him being traded and all of the other stuff that surrounds him. He was a pretty damn good basketball player last year. And so I think what we need to talk about tonight, and it's going to be Brady's article. You can find it on five reasonsports.com. Spell that one out, as I mentioned, but just the areas of improvement, because there is a perception for whatever reason. And it's kind of odd considering that the heat are considered to be a developmental organization, that there's always this perception with heat players that they can't get better. Like that their skills that they can't develop. They are maxed out as players. What they are is what we're always going to see. 
And it's just kind of ludicrous when you think about two guys in Bam and Hero who were drafted 13th and 14th or 14th and 13th respectively and how far they've come. The idea that that's all they can ever be, again, seems like defeatist Heat fan talk. But so we're going to get to Brady today. There's a whole bunch of things that you think he can use to upgrade. So I, I'm going to go through some of them, and, and I want you to cover them individually. But just in general, if I was to say to you one thing that you talked about, you talked about getting to the rim, you talked about ISO, you talked about uh, catch-and-shoot situations, pull-up situations. We're talking about offense here because we all know that the defense, that may have a ceiling, and obviously that does need to get closer to whatever its ceiling is. If I was to say to you there's one thing that would make this Heat team more dynamic this year, particularly with Tyler as a starter, which of those areas of development would you choose? I would personally lean toward the rim attempts because when you look at the playoffs and you look at the things he did in the regular season, I just feel like that's the, the whole idea here is to find something to translate in between both. Like you can develop something in the regular season that's just so clearly not going to translate to the playoffs and kind of what is it happening for? The rim attempts thing I think is legit. Like I was looking at some of the numbers where in the regular season he was averaging about 12 drives a game and getting around six attempts out of it. And basically I said they – sliced in half in the playoffs. So like you went down to 6.8 drives a game on 3.6 attempts. Uh, and I think from an eye test perspective, I think we can all agree that that's pretty accurate because I'm thinking about the Tyler hero of the regular season as a driver. And I'm thinking about the, the wild scoop layups off the backboard and the, the baby float that they were calling it throughout the season. And then I think about the playoffs where for one thing in the half court defense, they're going to push things inside anyway. Like they're going to change your way you want to play anyway but they basically did not let him get to the rim. Like they closed everything off. You could talk about him in each series, them overplaying him in some ways, but they were very good at helping, which could be at times like a PJ Tucker that left helping off a PJ Tucker in the corner, helping off a Caleb Martin in the corner because they made it clear. They didn't want him getting to the rim because Tyler here is a, is a kind of a player that once he gets a couple to drop, he's deadly. Like he's just one of those type of players uh, that builds off confidence. And a couple of those easy ones around the rim, once you get a little momentum, then all of a sudden the pull-ups start coming and the catch-shoot stuff starts coming. And you can't really stop it from that point. So I think the first level is the most important. Uh, but like you kind of teed this up with, I just feel like the kind of the trade talks are always going to fog the memories of certain players. And Tyler here is always going to be the headliner of these trades, which we can all agree on sometimes is necessary because we talked about certain upgrades that are necessary, but that doesn't mean just because you're putting him as a headliner of a trader wanting to move him, that you're going to throw away everything that we know about the player. And we're just going to just downgrade everything that we already know. It's one thing to say he needs to prove on this, this, and this, because we saw what happened in the playoffs, but saying that they can't do something with him as this type of scorer because of he's not Donovan Mitchell. That's like a completely different conversation, but to answer your question, I think rim attempts is just really important for this specific heat offense. Well, Alex, we've talked about rim pressure a lot, and I think it's been in the context of, well, it's always about Jimmy, and then it's about Bam and his general aggressiveness, and then we've mixed in the Oladipo conversation here because I think that that's where the Heat think this needs to go in terms of Victor giving them that element but we don't really talk about it in terms of Tyler as much because he, he came in the league, he was a shooter and you know, his perception, he was a three point shooter. And then we kind of figured out, okay, he's more than just a three point shooter. And then he started to develop the mid range game. And then like Brady said, a lot of this stuff just kind of stopped in the playoffs. So I, would you agree there that that's the most important thing is the rim pressure? 
yeah, it's hard to disagree with, although it's not the important, the only important thing. And Brady did a great job going over all the things that, you know, I think um, he can get better at marginally. But as far as getting to the rim more, they're going to need him to be aggressive there. Like, I think his shot diet is very, very perimeter oriented. When you look at his um, attempts for 75, he is at 7.7 and 7.6, respectfully, for mid-range attempts and three-point attempts. And um, at the rim, it's 4.1. So it obviously is very um, perimeter heavy there. It leans that way. And I just think outside of that, they need more guys who can actually get into the paint and make things easier on others. Like, it can't just be Jimmy like you were talking about. And I think Kyle is not one who is going to be ready to – you know, do that at a consistent rate. Like, you know, Kyle might have big scoring games in the playoffs here and there, but he is not one to um, do that consistently. So I just think Tyler, that that's the obvious place for him to get better. I think he's got to, you know, we've talked about the strength and him gaining weight and all that. It looks like that's going to happen. So if he actually does gain, put on like 15 pounds of muscle, I think that'd be great for him. Like, I think it'd be really great for him as far as being able to absorb contact being able to get to the rim more often, being able to actually like deal with um, complex coverages in the playoffs. Like what happened to him um, this past playoff run where kind of guys got really, really physical with him and dug into him and ran him off the line. And he wasn't able to kind of um, push back. Like he wasn't able to absorb that impact and push back. I, I don't think he's able to get leverage um, to get to his spots when he's run off the line like that by really good defenders like he was with DeLon Wright in the in the first round. I think um, the Sixers w- were sending multiple guys at him. The Celtics just have a bunch of elite defenders. So I think the counter has to be Tyler getting stronger and becoming more of a player who is a threat to get to the rim. Greg, um, a lot of this is perception versus reality, right? So I, I don't know necessarily – that Heat fans are expecting Tyler Hero to be not just getting a steady diet of that kind of stuff, but also getting the peripheral stuff that comes with it, which is the respect from officials that he's going to be able to get to the line in a lot of those situations and create easier offense. Because everything, every time I've talked to anybody with the Heat this offseason about what their real needs are, they don't talk about positions. Like Heat fans are talking about this in terms of we need a power forward and we need this. And of course, the Heat recognize that under in a perfect world, they would have a power forward. Okay. But it's kind of like just a big human that can defend. Right. Right. Just somebody. Okay. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Just somebody in there who who can do that kind of stuff. Okay. But they are talking more about something we've talked about a lot here, which is we just need to get better on offense. Like, like we, we need to create easier opportunities for people. And you look at the burden. When Jimmy scores 45 in those playoff games, they're a, it's a hard 45. Like it's not, you know, it's not like a Steph Curry 45, right? Like it is, no. he is working for all of that to get to his spots, to identify the right mismatch. To, you know, and again, sometimes to add on the third point at the line, right? I I guess the question is, can Tyler with with the rim stuff, can he create more of those easy points, whether it's whether it's at the rim himself or whether it's uh, or whether it's at the line? 
So let's make a mental note of this one thing. Um, who who made it more difficult on themselves in playoff games, Jimmy Butler or Dwayne Wade? Who did it look harder for them to make it through? Because I feel like Jimmy actually probably is that guy. Dwayne got more of like the just I'm an elite athlete buckets than Jimmy ever gets, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that there. Look, there's a history of Heat players who've been scorers that it hasn't looked easy for. We, we've talked about Zoe. That's I think true. Zoe. That's true. I, I, I think Zoe and Jimmy are similar in that regard. That it was, you know, it. LeBron, it looked easy, right? It did. Dwayne, Dwayne, unless the knee was gimpy, it looked easy. Even for Chris Bosh, scoring was easy. Like, right? I mean, we we never said, well, Chris can't find a way to score. I mean, even the game he was scoreless in the in the finals. Everybody brings that up, but it was more a product of role and touches and that kind of stuff. It wasn't a product of Chris not having a skill set uh, to do it. But Tyler again has that skill set. I just don't know if Tyler's going to get the respect. That, and I'm not talking about from fans because we already know he doesn't get that. But I'm just talking about from officials. No, that, that's a really key point because there's a pedigree involved in becoming an NBA star and a player that um, is not just on scouting reports, but is like in the mainstream, uh, the way you referee that player gets talked about. Like that's the kind of maturation of a player like Tyler. He is a score, a professional score. So that has to be eventually where it goes, right? And I thought Brady... Like, listen, if you are not going to read anything else, if you're listening to this show and you're not going to read anything else the rest of this week, go to fivereasonsports.com. You have to spell that all out and read this Tyler Hero column by Brady Hawk. It got me so hyped by the end of it that I tweeted back to him that Tyler Hero will have a better season next year than Donovan Mitchell, playoffs included. Like, that's how hyped I was when I read this because of all the things that Brady touches on that I think are perfectly realistic to expect that Tyler can show this incremental growth because that's what he's done year over year anyway. And so like these guys were so good, Ethan, in drawing up this whole show and being extremely articulate. I'll get to the, like the nitty gritty much faster. When that Atlanta blitz shit comes, we don't want deer in headlights. Like we want more of that swagger Tyler with that kind of confidence because a lot of what he does to me, it transcends some of the X's and O's and the fact that he's not the same athletic player or that he doesn't have the same wingspan. When he gets in a groove and he's feeling himself, dudes just can't, they can't cover him. So it's like, how do you get to that space, whether it's mentally or physically in the playoffs with heightened stakes? Like, that's what we want to see. So like when Atlanta comes with the blitz, show up. Like I think, and that's where that layer, that initial introductory layer, the barriers that Brady wrote about um, him getting to the rim is going to be a big part of figuring out that whole dynamic. All right, let's get through some of the other things in the article. We've talked a little bit about getting to the basket, but there's a bunch of other stuff that Brady covered in the piece. Before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor, the Five Reasons Sports Network. Our friend Mark Brown, big Miami Heat fan, team at the games all the time in Section 106, but also um, he does great work, and he's done a lot of work for me, and so I can attest to this personally. If you need an estate plan, which you do, no matter who you are, Reach out to Mark. He'll get you all the forms. He'll go through it with you. It's simple. It's not expensive. Make sure that your money goes to the person or the people that it should go to if something should happen to you. Also, he can handle your closing, okay? We know real estate market is complicated. It's starting to come down here a little bit. People aren't just getting 65 offers for their houses. When you get a sale, you actually want to get the closing done without delay. Make sure that the money gets funded, all that stuff. 
Mark can do that for you. So reach out to Mark Brown. He's got a title company right there in-house in his law firm, markbrownpa.com, M-A-R-C, brownpa.com. It's 954-566-5678, 954-566-5678, based in North Broward, just north of Cypress, off of Andrews. Also want to tell you about our CBD sponsor. It's Therapist Preferred. Use the code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN. Get 25% off the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies for recovery, for sleep. It's great stuff. They get a ton of orders from our listeners. There's a reason for it. Go to therapistpreferred.com. Use the code 5RSN for 25% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. All right, let's get to this next piece here. I, because, the, you know, we, we talk about on the ball. Let's close out the on the ball conversation here, okay? So we talk about rim pressure. But the other thing that Tyler's been kind of known for is the pull-up, right? Like the pull-up that drives some people crazy in transition, but also just generally using the pull-up jumper as a part of his game. How can he, how can he improve there? Yeah, I think there's enough trust in him as a player in the pick and roll or off a handoff or anything that's involving a screen. He's just that elite of a pull-up threat. Like when I think of Hero's biggest strengths, I think of his pull-up. I think of uh, if they go under, he figured out that he's just going to shoot over the top immediately when they go under. If they go over, they have a two-on-one. And that's where I think this ties into the Bam Hero conversation uh, which we talked on on a recent pod about, but that's kind of the key here. If you can go into the hero and bam combo a little bit more, I think there's enough trust that that'll just work immediately. We also saw the next step of this where he was able to read backline defenses. When the guy from the corner would come down, he would be able to sling the ball across the short the court to the opposite corner and make skip passes and all this other stuff, which once again could translate to playoff basketball. But the issue is that the one counter that stopped him, Greg could on it before, is the blitzing. Like, that's the one thing here is that I'm just not sold at this current stage that he can beat the blitz because you have two defenders running at you right inside half court. They're just trying to eliminate you. Like, yes, you can make the pass and you can play, you know, four on three on the backside and they can recover. And But you, when you're that elite of a scorer and you're going to be looked at as a big piece of this heat team, you can't just be a decoy, I guess, at that point in the playoffs. When you get into that second round against Philly, like they just did, they were able to get past it this time because Jimmy Butler was being elite Jimmy Butler, but I'm just not sure that they can get past that uh, after this point. So I'll say that I think that's a very important piece of this. Like when I say that, I mean, it doesn't mean he has to be an elite isolation player, but the only way for them to not have a, him get blitzed in those scenarios is to not call for the screen in the first place for them to run offense, allow him to break down a defender a little bit more. Like that's the one way to beat this. 
we had this conversation a lot early on in his career where we talked about, is there any way he can create separation? He kind of figured that out, especially this past season, the regular season, his way of kind of beating and finding separation was he was just going to shoot over the top of you and he was not going to be affected on his jump shot. He was going to break you down, get into the mid range, get into a step back or just pull over the top of you. And that was his way of separation. It was vertical separation. If that works for him, that's fine. But then you're relying on that tough shot making ability in the playoffs when it gets tough in the half court. So I guess when talking about specific improvements, being able to break down a defender, get into his pull up a little bit tougher. And I do believe this ties into the rim pressure stuff, because if he's able to break down his defender, he's never going to be that athlete. I kind of said like, like a jaw where he's going to embrace contact and be able to finish at the rim after getting by that guy. But he can be good enough to something he's done a ton is going down baseline where he bumps and then kind of gets into that floater all the time. He loves bumping and kind of flowing into it. I think that's something he can utilize, which Alex touched on kind of getting stronger. That's the big thing. If he could get stronger and use his body just slightly just to get that bump and find space, I think he can find ways to get past it. But I just, I think there just has to be a more willingness in the regular season to, to kind of force him to kind of operate, I guess, without a screen to prepare for the postseason. Alex, if I was to say you, which is more important for this Heat team in the role that we think Tyler's going to fill, which is starting two guard, which is not a role he's filled for the Heat other than a few games in the start of the second season. If I was to say he's in that lineup that we're anticipating, okay, you can throw Caleb at the four or you could throw Jimmy at the four and start Max. Okay, so let's, let's say either way, all right? What is more important for the Heat in that offense? Is it Tyler on the ball, isolations, drives to the basket, getting to the floater, getting to the pull-up, or is it some of the off-the-ball stuff we're going to talk about? I think it's off-the-ball. So if we are going to talk about uh, more of Tyler's off-ball stuff, because I know Brady got into that in his article as well, I'll save some of it, but I do think that's the more important part because he's going to be playing in that starting lineup with those guys. I think he had such a – nice role for him last season in the sense that it was all about him when he came into the game, right? Like he, he would come into the game and his role was very clear cut. It was just go in there, shot, create, right? Most of the time it's going to be for yourself, but to be fair, he is a good playmaker for his position. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, a lot of the stats um, actually back that up when you um, compare him to other guys at his position. But I just think in general, um, it's stuff that he's already good at that he has to improve at. And he's already pretty good as an off-ball player, but I just think like him leveraging the real shooting threat that he has as a three-point shooter would be better for them, right? Like I think he needs to be someone who teams are going to be worried about as someone who will shoot off, you know, off the move all the time, kind of in a way that they like similar to what they did with Duncan and Max. Not that, you know, run that exact shot diet for him, but I just think it can all – just be Tyler getting buckets and doing things where he has to create uh, shots and hit tough shots. Like I, I love that part about him, right? Like we, somebody who can create and hit tough shots like that is great. And him being a professional bucket getter is great. He's a decent, pretty good passer. And uh, I think him getting stronger will absolutely help with him getting contact, uh, getting to the line a little bit more, hopefully on defense as well, ideally. But I do think him mixing in and and really learning how to, be valuable other than the types of um, possessions that he got last season is going to be really, really important for them. Like, I think they need him to be good as a cutter. 
They need him to be good as, you know, an off-ball shooting threat. And I think the rim pressure stuff is not just, like, breaking down somebody, right? Because, of course, that's that's huge. Like, if, if, if he can just break down someone off uh, the dribble one-on-one without using the screen, like Brady said, it can create advantages. Of course, you, you, you know what happens from there. But I just think him being able to make fast-paced uh, decisions and cuts and things like that also involve the rim pressure stuff, right? Like, it's just kind of – um, mixing in and, and filling those spots and hitting floaters on the go, hitting those teardrops on the go. Cause I do think like if, if you're leveraging Tyler Hero's shooting threat properly, the way that they did with Duncan and Max, you should be able to create a lot of those same advantages. And Tyler is more dynamic. He, he, he has way more counters for when um, teams run him off the line. Right. And I think that's why I was so disappointed when, with him in the playoffs, because he was teams were getting physical with him. They were running him off the line and he, really didn't react. So I think the pressure's on him now, but um, there's going to be some challenges to him being in the starting lineup as opposed to him having the cozy scoring role off the bench. So I think he's really got to mix it in off ball in order for them to maximize his role there. All right. So let's pivot back to Brady here before we get to Greg. So the off ball stuff that we talk about, the catch and shoot stuff, tell me there, you know, build on a little of what Alex was talking about there about where that needs to go. Yeah. He had a lot of the major stuff. I would say that, for starters, he had on the starting lineup thing, which ties into this thing, I think, fully. Like, the fact that you're playing next to Kyle Lowry is going to be orchestrating a lot of this. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, we want, everybody wants to get more touches with. There's only so much room for, for everybody to kind of operate that he's not going to be in the same role. He's not going to be able to kind of run the show and run pick and roll after pick and roll. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I don't think that's – I think more diversity in his shot diet is kind of important. Uh, and I don't think it's just the starting lineup. I think – we talked about the pod with Depot, Butler, and Hero lineups that they're going to have to get to that more. They just kind of have to at this point with the roster, the way it looked, the way it looked in the postseason, it kind of worked. But the only way when you go through the, the film of those three playing together was that it looked really good when everybody was moving. When it was this, as soon as Jimmy gets into ISO ball and Depot and Hero are just kind of standing in the opposite side, just standing around, that's when everything shuts down and that's when everything becomes problematic. But when he, Tyler's moving around and he's kind of being put and he could kind of catch the ball and kind of flow downhill off of a handoff and, and run different sets for him. I think that stuff's important. I think he's a really underrated screener. I think there's a lot of opportunities there where he's able to hit these back cuts because he's just such a, a threat on the floor that if he can fake out like he's going to catch on the corner and then he flashes back door, that happens so many times this season because of the way that he's just such a threat. Um, and something I hit on a ton recently is that I just really believe – that the Heat are going to expand on their motion offense. Like, I think they're going to go heavier into just total movement in, in the half court than they have in, in just recent years because I feel like this roster is built for it. More guards, that means you should, you, you know, leading offense, you want to move more because you just have more mobility in general. You don't have, like, a P.J. Tucker who's kind of the guy that's standing around in the corner and can't really be moved around. If a Caleb Martin's plugged in here, he's somebody you can move around at least in different spots and allow to be athletic. So I think – he can benefit from that. If he's somebody that's moving back door, flying around, uh, he would say that Alex just said on like the, the Duncan Struess type role, if he's able to shoot, he had a very good catch and shoot. Here. Like he just shot 42% in the regular season on spot up threes. Like that is a very good number for him to be able to do that. If he can kind of carry that over to this season, which probably is realistic with the more threats with a, an all depot that could be playing, that's creating more rim pressure and kind of kicking out. Like I think he'll have at least a decent amount of opportunities there which should be a team with better spacing in theory when you look at it on paper. So 
it'll be interesting. I just feel like he hit on with the, the off ball being so important. And this is why it's important because this is how everything will run. If, if, if he doesn't develop this type of kind of elite off ball scoring ability, which I will say there was a graph that went out on Twitter where he was, I don't have it on me or the number it was, but he was very high on just like off ball efficiency. I think it's more this year about volume. Like, I think we know he can, he can do it because it's, it's kind of easy backdoor layups or, or an open three because it's kind of chaos in the half court. But if they can find a strong like volume with it, that's going to open everything else up that we just talked about. Alex, I'll let you close the loop on this part of it. Cause when we come back, I, I think Greg, I, I want to have a, a sort of a more philosophical conversation with Greg here about this, but it, on, on the off the ball stuff, uh, Alex, what, what else is there for you? Uh, it's tough, man. I really do think it comes down to him just picking his spots and kind of, and, and I, I do think it's going to be a challenge. And, and I, and I also agree with Brady that it's going to be great for him because I think it's just going to be a way for him to kind of fast track his own maturation process. Right. I think getting put into that role that we all think he's getting put into as a starter. Um, like you said, he's, he's played it before, but I think there's with this lineup now with Lowry involved in this, I, I think, he's not going to have the ball all the time and he's going to have to fit in and, you know, um, try not to settle into his habits of um, just kind of creating his own shot. Right. Because I think like Brady has, has been hitting on, they need to be focused on moving. Right. And although it's not always going to look great, right. Like they're not going to be hitting on all cylinders from the beginning of the season. And and they're not always going to be moving fast. I think that's going to be the goal. Right. When you have so many guards that Brady was talking about and in order for him to do that and, and, really fit in he, he's got to not slow down and I think he's gonna he's gonna have to adjust and really um, make decisions on the fly right and I think he's pretty good at that I think he can get better and I think since he's gonna be in a different role that's gonna be a focus for him so I think all of that is kind of all under the same umbrella of just making quicker decisions whether it, the decision is to pass or whether it's to uh, stop on a diamond shoot whether it's to get to the rim I think he's good at making reads in general <clears throat> based on what the defense does I just think it's going to be more about that processing speed and now that you know hopefully with that added weight it can um, get some of that physicality off of him because I just think he was not able to get any sort of leverage in the playoffs versus some of these more physical defenders who just had specialized game plans for him and that's what happens versus the best players right like you're going to face great defenders in the playoffs especially in the Eastern Conference like I feel like the best most of the best defenses are in the East um and in general, this is part of Tyler's growth process, right? When you're a 21 year old who is skinny and not like supremely athletic, doesn't have a, uh, a great wingspan or anything like that, like there's going to be have to, there's going to have to be things you work around um, naturally. And I think his game is sort of tailored to that. So this role is going to be great for him. I think, I think that's why they're going to put him in there and not only to juice the offense, but because it'll get the best out of him eventually. I think he, he's going to have to stay there for a while. And, um, I think by the time playoffs come around, he's going to be much more suited to uh, the off-ball stuff that we are talking about right now. All right. When we come back, uh, Greg, I, I want to have a just a conversation with you about about something here and kind of uh, well, I don't know. Well, we, we'll get to it in a second. We do want to tell you about one more sponsor. It's our gambling partner. This is not traditional gambling. This is peer-to-peer gambling. You can find the line that you want. You go to betteredge.com. It's B-E-T-T-O-R Edge. Dot com backslash five reasons. That's the number five and reasons you get $20 to play. And again, Greg said great success with this. 
Sean Rochester and others in our network have it all again, because the difference is first it's legal. And second, as I said, you can find the line you want on there and decide kind of what it's worth to you. And that's a totally different way to approach this. It's social betting, go to betteredge.com backslash five reasons. Let me ask this question, um, Greg, because it, it plays off of what you talked about earlier. And I just want to close the episode with this. It, it strikes me that with Tyler, because we're focusing on things he can do better. And a lot of the things we talked about today, he's already doing reasonably well, okay? Like, again, the, the pull-up jumper stuff, the catch-and-shoot stuff. He's a very good offensive player. I mean, you don't, lead, you, you, don't, you don't lead all bench guys in scoring, win sixth man of the year in a runaway, unless you're a good player. But why is it with Tyler – and this even comes from Heat fans, that the focus is always on the things he doesn't do instead of the things he does. That's interesting. I think because there is, there's something about getting picked on on defense that fans lean into in a real like strong way. They get real passionate about when you see a guy get hunted. Um, so Tyler has to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um I don't know why the other negative things happen. Maybe it's because of the way he carries himself, et cetera. But to me, like this is a weird scenario where you have such a good player that's doing nothing but ascending. He's so young that I said this before, like dude's going to get an extension a week before camp and it's going to be anticlimactic that they're locking up a really good. And, but this is the thing, like going from good to great, like this is where we're at. And like, that's where he needs to get to like this good to great moment. They have a player that can, that he has the tools. There's no doubt. So like, it's just a matter of, can he do it fast enough? Um, I don't know that the fans are ever going to not look at the other shiny toys around the league and say like, I want one of those guys that dunks on people or that has, you know, the wingspan that locks people down and whatever other metric that we're going by Raptor and um, whatever else is out there. Uh, you know, like they drive people towards certain archetypes, but you know, I think that they are in a position with him where if he can come out and play well and kind of establish that the playoffs was maybe more about health and less about um, him not reacting to the scenario in a favorable way that that will um, get the fans back on his side. Because when the arena's behind Tyler, they were behind him in a way that was really like, only only Dwayne had got them that excited. It had been a while since like those Tyler games, like that Philly game where you had the step back three and stuff like that. That electricity, I think, will come back this year um, once they see him play up to par. You know what it reminds me of a little bit? It's the Tua debate on the Heat side. Because when fans look around the league and you talk about the shiny toys, wing scorers are the shiny toys in the modern NBA. And so it's kind of like the quarterback position in the sense that if you have a guy that's good, that does certain things well, but is physically limited compared maybe to other players at that position, whether we're talking about Tua versus Herbert or Burrow or Mahomes or any of that stuff. And then you take a look at Tyler versus, say, again, a Donovan Mitchell or other guys at that spot. Okay. Even though Tyler's numbers in his third season were better than Donovan's numbers in his third season. Okay. It's almost like once you pick one and you commit to one, which the Heat are going to do now, 
which the Dolphins have somewhat done to Tua, then you can't have the other one, right? <laughs> like, even though in basketball, you can't actually play two wing scorers at the same time. You can't play two quarterbacks at the same time, uh, necessarily. Steve Spurrier probably would have tried it. That, to me, is where this debate comes in, is that I think Heat fans like Tyler, but they kind of don't want to be married to Tyler. They sort of want to date Tyler until, right, until they can go find the one that they want to marry. They want to marry Bradley Beal or Donovan Mitchell or one of those guys. Basically, basically giving Tyler that money cuts that off. And I think that's where the negative negativity comes in here. It's like, yeah, he's good, but he's never going to be that. He right? adores. What did you say? He said he ain't the one. We shall right. see. We shall see. No, no, no. I was going along with Ethan's um, – Ethan's analogy of like, oh, you know, he's good, but he ain't the one. Like, he's not right. the one well, I'm no, mad for. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that, I think that's the, I think that's the perception out there. And, and so what we're talking about here, you know, I don't know that Tyler say becoming more efficient even than he was last season and doing it in this role, and maybe his points per game go down a little bit because again, he's not running the whole bench by himself and he's got to defer to others. I don't know what it is that's going to satisfy people who say, as Alex said, that he is the one. But I do think the thing that's promising here from what Brady covered in the article is that there are things he's already good at that he can get better at. And so I think that's where the incremental growth is going to come in here. I, I, and, and so I, I do think we're going to see it because I just think he's, I think his IQ as a basketball player, as an offensive basketball player, is, is really elite, elite. And that's, that's why he's able to do some of the things he does. And so if they give him a very simple list to work on this offseason – I think he'll come back stronger. I do want to thank everybody. But is he as good as Shea Gillis Alexander? That's the question. All right. We'll go to the, you know, the two of you tonight. Prize picks. Use the code 5, F-I-V-E. Get your initials of project match up to $100. Betteredge.com backslash five reasons. MarkBrownPA.com. He's going to be my new co-host next week. Uh, no, just check him out for your uh, estate planning and also for your closings. Um, and who's the other one? Oh, therapist preferred use the code five RS and again, check out the Jimmy Butler episode. We're reposting it to so make sure you catch what we call the re-release. It's right there on the title. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a four fifty five meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.